we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or MP3 files, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows, but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode, and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope. Um, I know you're going to be watching this a little bit later, but anyway, I want to wish everybody again a happy 2019. We're now here into January. A lot of exciting things happening and I'm going to rub it in. <laughs> Living in South Florida. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was talking to the guest I want to bring on in a minute that he lives up in the Northeast, uh, how much different it is uh, as far as uh, this time of year that they're they're having a pretty crazy snowy weather. And down here, it's coming down into the 50s. And like I tell everybody, it's like, oh, it's so cold. <laughs> Believe it or not, I've even put out my fireplace. And I imagine people up in the Northern States must be thinking, she's crazy. But, you know, that's the, that's a South Florida. That's a Miami thing. <laughs> we use any excuse to say that it's really cool. But anyway, let me go ahead and tell you about uh, one of the, a great guests that I've got on tonight. Okay, like I promised you guys, 2019, I was going to bring a lot of interesting people on. And here we go. We're kicking off the year the right way. And the gentleman I have on is Mr. Ron Yacovetti. Now, Ron's is a very early age. He's been fascinated with the idea, and I love the, the possibilities of this paranormal, okay? And I like the possibility because it always, it leaves you like with an open-ended thing. Uh, now, he's originally from New Jersey, and he resides there with his son, and he um, began investigating during uh, about 14 years that he was living in uh, Los Angeles, and so he's gone to a lot of the famous locations that are haunted, such as the Queen Mary in Long Beach, uh, the, the Omen House for, that belongs to David Omen on Cielo Drive, the Glen Tavern Inn. Uh, and he's got a unique background as a stand-up comedian. And he's also worked in the mixed martial arts, the MMA, 
as uh, he does commentary for them. And now he's in the paranormal. But I know eventually we're going to ask about all these things, but I'm going to ask Ron what I ask all my guests, which is, let's bring him on first of all. But anyway, Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and, and start off the year. Yes. Um, it begins painful a little bit when I hear about your weather going down to the 50s. Yes. Um, <laughs> where for us, if it goes up to the 50s, it's a win. Exactly. And, and like I, you said, I, I lived in Los Angeles for 14 years, so okay. every time I'm shoveling snow, I have to remind myself that it's better than an earthquake <laughs> or an entire neighborhood in flames. Yeah, I mean, either or, right? Like, if I had to pick, hmm, okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. yeah well, yeah, I've, I, my son was uh, was out in San Diego for a while, and I took a few trips out there, and I know what the kind of weather that you're talking about. Matter of fact, yeah. it's a lot drier than it is here. It's a different type of heat, but it's very nice out there. But yeah, I know what you mean as far as the weather being totally different from where you're at right now. But yeah. anyway, Ron, let me ask you what I ask all my guests is, how did you get involved in the paranormal? Did you have uh, experience as a kid or what? So since I was little, I was always uh, fascinated with it. And, you know, back in, back in the day, it was uh, a little segment on Unsolved Mysteries or or, you know, a random show where you would get a segment that had to do with ghosts or the paranormal, or you didn't really have the, the multitude of shows that we have on TV now. So mm -hmm. it was it was a treat, like Saturday morning cartoons, yes. uh, to have something to watch. So every time I would just grasp it, I was like, oh, this is good. I, was just, I just really found that whole idea interesting about the soul and, and the afterlife and the whole thing. Um, flash forward, I got started because when I used to live in Los Angeles, I was uh, at the time dating somebody, and we could not, um, I don't care how many channels my cable provider offered, we couldn't agree on one thing, not one show, until we got to Ghost Adventures, and we was like, really, you want to watch that? And then we watched, and so the funny thing was is that um, a lot of the episodes that particular, I think it was a couple seasons in, um, right. there were locations that were close to where we lived. Uh, Southern California, you could actually drive to the Glen Tavern Inn, about an hour and a half away. Okay. Um, the Queen Mary in Long Beach, which is one of my favorite places to go. Uh, you mentioned uh, David Omen's house in Beverly mm -hmm. Hills. Um, I can't I'm trying to remember the name of the place in downtown uh, Los Angeles, too. It was an old hotel inn. Um, so there were just so many places. And so we're like, oh, they, you know, they, then they, we looked it up. They do events. We started going. Uh, first time, nothing even really happened. Uh, but you get that on the edge of your seat feeling like at any moment something could. Yes, exactly. And you're hooked. Uh-huh. And so that's how it happened. But I do remember a couple things from when I was a kid that now, um, if I was of the same mindset then, yes. um, I, I might have questioned. Like my father's a musician. He was a drummer. And there were instances when he would be out playing a gig that night, and my sister and I were in our bedrooms on the top floor of the house, on the second floor, and then in the bottom floor below the main level, the basement, where he had a drum room that was pretty much soundproofed, so he could play at night, not disturb the neighbors. Okay. And I would hear the drums from the basement upstairs, and at the time, it didn't even occur to me. I kind of like just like blew it off, rolled over, went to sleep. Right. Um, which proves that when we're small, we think we know everything, but we're idiots. <laughs> but of course. That's something that I remember. Like, huh? That's. That's kind of an odd, unexplained thing. Right. If I was in that situation now, I would, uh, I would question, and I'd probably run at it with a, a digital recorder and some kind of a camera. 
Exactly, exactly. And, and, and I've made that. I had a few, a couple of experiences when I was like teenager, you know, but like you said, when you're a teen, you're just, ah, that's yeah. weird. Okay, uh, next. Uh, so I know exactly. But now when I look back, when I think about it, it's like, you know what you, that, that was an experience. That was a weird experience that you had there. Yeah. You know, and uh, I tell everybody at one time, like, like um, we used to live across the street from my grandmother and my mom, she would always tell me if because she would leave really early to go to work. And she says, if you ever decide to stay home, you need to call your grandmother and tell her that you're home. You know, and one day I, I wasn't really sick. I was just, didn't want to go to school. <laughs> so I stayed in bed and I had gone into my mom's bedroom and you know when you're kind of like waking up because I hear somebody making noises in the kitchen. You know, like when people are going through cupboards or moving stuff around. Nothing, no clanging of pots, but when somebody's... And I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm thinking to myself, my grandmother's in the kitchen? Which, by the way, it my grandmother would never have gone. She had really bad knees. Plus, she even though she had a key to the house, she would never have gone come over for anything. She never did. If anybody, if she wanted right. anything, she would ask them, bring it to me. But that's what came to my mind was like, Oh, my grandmother's in the kitchen. She sounds like she's looking for something, but that's what it sounded like. You know, when people are opening cupboards and, and yeah. then uh, it was one of those houses with the raised wooden floors that when somebody walks, you can hear them. Mm -hmm. My mom's bedroom was at the end of the hallway, like down from the kitchen. And all of a sudden I hear footsteps coming down the hallway and I'm thinking, I'm going to pretend I'm asleep because I know my grandmother is going to scold me for why didn't I call, first of all, why didn't I go to school? And then number two, yeah. why didn't I call her? So I went over and I turned over and I pretended I was asleep, like with my back to the door. And I remember I felt somebody come to the room of the door, look at me. And it's really funny because my grandmother was a really short lady. And I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I felt like the person that was staring me at was taller, but mm -hmm. okay, but still. And I felt somebody come and pull the, the, the blanket over my shoulder. And by oh, the way, wow. I'm still pretending I'm asleep because my grandmother, she really was, she was hardcore, okay? So anyway, the, I stayed home. My mom, she got home from work later in the afternoon. She would like, she would normally go over to my grandmother's house like right after she got home. Five minutes after she goes over there, the phone rings. And I answered, my mom's like, why didn't you tell your grandmother that you were at home? And I'm like, but she knew. No, she doesn't. What do you mean she knew? She knew. She was here this morning. She even came to the bedroom and covered me. And I'm hearing my grandmother in the background going, uh, what is she saying? I wasn't there. And in other words, my grandmother would not have, thinking about yeah. it, my grandmother would have woken me up and said, why are you here? You know, and much less would she have lied about, you know, not coming into the room. And back then I just, and I was like, yeah. okay, but what? And that was it. But if, like you said, if that would happen to me now, I'd be like, hey. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like, I mean, first of all, it was very, um, the occult was a lot more taboo and, yes. and you, couldn't, you couldn't explain you had an experience without, you know, expecting to be judged as being crazy yes. for one. And for two, the other thing too, is that it's, it's kind of like, um, you never had a blue car before. You get a blue car, suddenly everywhere you go, you see blue cars, right? Exactly. So the other side of that is, is that people now think because people who do what we do are so of that mindset that when something falls over at the house, when something flickers, yes. we go, oh, ghost. And the truth is, 
a lot of times, as you know, there's rational explanation behind it. It's not anything paranormal. Of course not. But it could be, and sometimes it is. Yeah. And then you become, you become enlightened to that. And that's that's where I think this field uh, it requires some level of of self-respect and, and discipline, because you have to discern between the rational explanation side or the supernatural side, and at the same time, you have to be open to both possibilities until you're conclusively able to lean on one side or the other. And I think one of the things that we do as a community to hurt ourselves is that we we step to other people's evidence, we step to other people's findings or what they do with a level of certainty about their faking it or it's not legit that we really can't substantiate. We really can't back it up, but we go, that's fake, they make that stuff up, it's all embellished. Exactly. Maybe it is, and I'm not saying people don't hoax or make things up. What I'm saying is, is that 90-something percent of the time when people speak to that, they can't back it up and substantiate it. And if you had a loved one getting convicted and going and sent to jail mm -hmm. with that same level of proof, you would oh. be like, well, they didn't, they didn't prove anything. Exactly. So and you know I what? think it's just a it's lot of people, climate. A lot of people sometimes have experiences and they're not prepared to, to, to capture it because yeah. that's, that's not a, like, uh, like I tell everybody, the supernatural is not an on-demand thing. No. And it's, it's almost, I want to say sometimes, it almost catches you unaware whether you're not prepared or something like that and but you know it's true and okay so i i don't have a picture i don't have a recording i got my word that's the best right, i right. can do and that's and that's the thing that makes other people uncomfortable yes is that in order for them to say you're hoaxing it you're a fake and you, yes. you go well i have a picture or i experienced this or whatever why would i make it up the only recourse they have because they can't really prove that you're making it up the only recourse they have is to call you being full of caca. Of course. And and if they know you, most of the time, they're not comfortable or, or confident enough or even cowardly to do that. Well, and this is, and, and I tell everybody this because I've, I've been doing this for a really, really long time. And I tell them, I'm one of the most skeptical persons as far as my standards. Sure. What I, I, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you'll believe anything. And it's like, no, I won't. You'd be That's surprised. a misconception about people who do ghost hunting. Yeah. That if you do it, you believe everything is paranormal, and it's right. not. It's it's anything but. And I've had and I've had people bring me stuff. Sometimes it's questionable, that I'll say sure. it could be, but it could not be, and I'm going to reserve judgment on it. I'm not going to say yeah. out and out, but and, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. And I'm sure you see some of these wrong pictures of things at the window. Oh, it's a face, and I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, it is where <laughs> you know, it's like I'm sorry. Um, sometimes they try to make things out of what's not there. Right, right. You know, matrixing or, or or pareidolia, where your your brain completes exactly the and puzzle, or your ear you finish it right, and, and and it does happen. That's yes. the thing that gets confusing is that is that there are there are people who misinterpret or make mistakes, uh, self included. You know, we all do it. Um, there are people who may embellish or 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 hoax things. Those things yes. happen, but when we attack each other without certainty or the able to or the ability to substantiate it about evidence and how people do stuff what oh, happens yes. is, is that we're pooping where we eat we're contaminating yes. the same pool that we exist in because then we're giving the perception to the outside that there is so many people hoaxing and faking it in this community right. well and beyond I, the numbers that actually exist and i hate to say it um there's some people in there it, i'm not gonna say everybody but some people it's like 
I want to own it. So I want to own the real stuff and everybody else is making it up. You know, I've got the, I've got the yeah. real experience. I yeah, I've captured the real evidence and everybody else if they didn't follow for example my uh, standards and methods. Does I tell everybody? I've been doing this since the 90s before there was even digital photography when you had to develop film <laughs> which yeah. cost a lot of money. Okay, be, you know, before any of these equipments that they have or the FLIRs and the obvious yeah. and all these other things. Okay. Um, let me tell you, it, it, it's some people, um, sometimes it's I've, absolutely, it's a question of good timing. Other people, if they have access to certain locations, right? like tour guides, docents, you know, that they go to a place all the time and it's inevitable that they're just there at the right time. And then there's other mm -hmm. people that go there, like you said, you go once to some place and you have it, it happens. And then yeah, there's other people that go and they'll go and they'll go and they'll go, man, I never see anything. I go, does that mean there's nothing there though? And then there's the people that they want to have what they captured or what they saw. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Or what? I'm, you know, I'm the legit and they try to legitimize themselves by making everybody else look fake. And I've yeah. seen that before. I've yeah, seen that and before. That's what, I, that's what I'm speaking to. And, it, and it's, it's sad because, because you, it's like the, the person who's most paranoid about getting stolen from is a thief, right? Yeah, exactly. So they, they don't realize that they're, they're contaminating the same community that they're a part of by, by doing that. I look at everybody's stuff, and I, I understand if something's more or less compelling, if I'm able to explain it, so be it. Um, but I, I really, really try not in any circumstance, especially in, in a critical way, to speak beyond the level of certainty that I, that I can substantiate. Yeah. So I, I love quoting some of, the, um, some of the brilliant people that I've had a chance to work with. There's a gentleman named Matthew Schultz who runs the – uh, the paranormal investigations on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. Okay. And um, he always says that the, the most predictable thing in the paranormal is that it's unpredictable. Yes. Yes. And so that speaks to what you were saying is that I've done countless hours on that ship. It's one of my favorite places to go. I've got videos and audios and photos and stuff from tons. Of, I've probably done more hours on that ship than some people have done in various locations combined. Right. Got one super really good picture of a shadow figure in one of the lower parts of the ship oh, really? that had gotten published in a book. It's it, to this day it creeps me out when I look at it. But that's one time after all those hours, and I didn't even know. I just it was an empty doorway. I was taking pictures of the boiler room that we're heading into, and then five or six hours later, I'm looking at photos on my old phone, and then boom, there this thing is. 
I get, I'll send it to you. It's, it's still to this day creeps me out because I know I could see that doorway. And if somebody was there, I would not have taken a picture and I would have seen them. You know what? It, and, and that's the thing. And sometimes you're prepared and it's, you're there at the right time and you right. capture and it's like, wow. Uh, I mean, that, uh, that other picture, the one that this lady caught in the 90s, I don't remember her name, the one on, on Bachelor's Grove in the Chicago Cemetery. Ah, yeah. So you just brought that up the other day to me, too. Yeah, that's, that they, I know that there was a lot of effort to try to even explain that away like that, and they have not been able to debunk that photo. No, they have not. They have Especially not. because it, it speaks to the time frame you were talking about um, when there was no Photoshop and the way that it was taken. They, they looked at the photo negative, and you can tell. Yes. Beyond a doubt, if a photo negative from that point in time was was doctored at all, and it wasn't, there was no there was no no tampering on that so thing anyway, at all. So anyway, Ron, um, as far as capturing evidence, I absolutely agree that some's legit, some's not legit, some, and I hate to say it, sometimes the best, uh, the best evidence people want to disprove it because it's almost like, man, that's that's a really good picture. Yeah. It's like so you get you get swamped with a lot of criticism. Uh, and I tell everybody, once you've had that firsthand experience, whether you capture evidence or not, right. you have that reality shift. That, that that in other words, not not like we were talking about like when you were a kid and later on you realize, oh that was weird. I mean, right in that moment, you have that experience and you go, you know what? You go through a checklist of possibilities and you know it's not that. There's a shift in your reality that it's like if nobody ever believes this and I can never make anybody believe me, I know what I witnessed or what I experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And that Something changes. you learn early on when you start doing this paranormal stuff because you get excited when you get your first EVP mm. or you get your first maybe that's an apparition in a window, whatever. Yes. You get excited to share it with anybody. You're at the yes. checkout at the supermarket and go, look at it, you see this? That's a, that's a ghost. <laughs> And they're like, you know, paper or plastic. And I'm like, but look. <laughs> but you learn early on that, that the last thing you want to do in this field is try to convince people of something that they already don't believe. Yes. I have, I have friends and people who know that I do what I do. Mm -hmm. um, some of them believe in all the stuff that has to do with supernatural or, or ghosts right. or whatever. Some people open and some people think, you know, a better chance right. that the Lucky Charms guy is going to ride in here on a unicorn. And serve me cereal <laughs> and a full body pleasure. And I don't try to convince any of those people. You know, yeah, here's yeah. another quote from another brilliant guy. The, the late uh, psychic Peter James would say, and I'm almost exact on the quote. I could be off slightly. Is he would say, for for the believer, no evidence is necessary. For the skeptic, no evidence will do. Exactly. You're right. And so that's that's my position with this stuff at all times. Too. I know the community or the people that I can share stuff with. And who will give me a second opinion? And sometimes I will seek that too because I know that I can be wrong. In my experience, the really hardcore skeptics, and by this I don't mean they're skeptics that are like skeptics, but you know they're they're they're. But I'm talking. I, I say those are the people that are most thirsty to be disproven, even though you might think they don't. They're yeah. almost afraid. So there's a couple of people around the Northeast who um, who are known for that. Mm -hmm. And my personal opinion, and I will own this. Um, the problem to me with that is that if I went into a situation, I told you, I'm going to investigate 12 places in the next couple of weeks. They're all haunted. Right. They're all going to be having ghosts. I'm going to get all EVPs. I'm going to get all ghost box stuff. Everything's, every place is going to produce results. They're all haunted. I'm going to have evidence of everything because I believe that they're all 
you would think, well, no, you can't go in with right. a bias. You have to go into that location exactly. and let it speak to you and then assess the evidence you get. You could go to a place, get nothing. I could go to a place, get nothing. You can go back and get something. So you have to assess in each situation, right? But there are people whose agenda on the critical side is the polar opposite of going in believing everything's a ghost. And for some reason, those people can often fly under the radar because they're trying to prove something. Yes. It's not, you can't go in with a bias. You're just as, you're just as closed-minded to the other side of you being wrong. So to me, you already enter the equation 50% wrong. Yes. If you go in, you know, everything's bullshit and I'm going to prove it. You can't. And you know what? One of the things I've learned, you know, especially uh, when we're talking historical landmarks or places that have a certain ghost you know, I, I'm very big into research, and a lot of times I find that either it's exaggerated, inaccurate, or an out-and-out out lie. But at the same time, you find out, or sometimes it's true, but sometimes you get details that are much, like I say, much more disturbing than the yeah. actual truth about other people things. And I say, and you know what? A lot of things, especially when we're talking a little way back, a lot of things, dark deeds, took place as far as that they could generate an intelligent haunting that never made the papers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. You, you, yeah, you could have a haunting. It might not be the daughter of the house. Maybe it was a servant girl. Absolutely. That got yeah. killed and buried in the backyard and nobody knows. And, they, and then they said, oh, she ran away. She left the employee. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things back then that exactly like what you said, that sometimes you have to go in not thinking oh it's absolutely going to be this entity or this communication with this ghost that's supposed yeah. to be the one there you'd be surprised and that's why sometimes people get evidence and they can't make head or tails it doesn't fit into the story of about this place absolutely and absolutely yeah there's people who go to the uh david omen's house mm -hmm. um in beverly hills the cl cl drive where yes. the manson tate murders had happened yes and one time in, I don't know, I think he investigated that house seven or eight times. Um, he's a great guy, by the way. He's always treated me really well. Um, he makes food for his guests. He gives you the history of the house. I, I, I've interviewed Dave. I've interviewed okay. Dave. He's, he's, he's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's always been good. When I go out to, to L.A. with my girlfriend in the last couple of years in November, mm -hmm. he has us over for dinner. We either bring dinner or we bring dessert. And then he just lets us run amok in the house. No formal event. You just, just go. So we have the whole house to ourselves. Um and it is the Disneyland of the Dead. That place, every single time, if there's any place that's been consistent, every time I've gone, something noteworthy happens, that's the place. That's the place. As much as, as much as I love the Queen Mary, that place has been very consistent. But only one time did the Manson or Tate mentions come up. And right. it was specifically because a year ago, November, when Manson was on his deathbed, I was at David's house. We were in David's house. Right. And so for the first time, we asked a question that had to do with that situation. Right. For all the other years I've gone, I've gone there. Right. I never tried to get Sharon or I just, I tried to get what was there. I tried to connect right. with what was there. Um, and to speak to the other thing you were saying, right behind me, there's a window back here. Um, right across the river, which you can see is New York City. Mm -hmm. This is the Upper West Side. There's a place, um, Ghost Adventures went there, I think the season before Nick Groff left. Okay. Um, where, where they debuted the SLS Connect camera. Okay. It's called the Morris Jamel Mansion and yes, Museum. Absolutely. I think the episode was Madame called Jumel. George Washington Ghost. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So at at the Morris Jamel Mansion here, before the uh, the Jamel family had it, um, which by the way she has uh, relics from Napoleon Bonaparte's um, estate in that place still. Um, 
it had been like a tavern and it had some of that seedy history that you were talking about mm -hmm. where prostitution and, and death and murder, like, tons of stuff could have happened right. that nobody would have been chronicling. It would have been written down right. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't just get Eliza Jamel in there. You could be getting who knows because you don't right, know what's in there. Right, because of course she was connected to Aaron Burr and all this other stuff. Yes. And, you know, uh, Hans Holzer, he did a story back when the children saw her supposedly on the balcony telling shush yeah. them or something like that. Yeah, yeah but like you said, that there's, there's probably, even though she didn't sound like she was a nice lady, I, I really haven't, but there's probably a whole cast, a cast of a thousand that could be, be more likely haunting the place than her. Based on what yeah. you said. Oh, yeah. For sure. That said, though, and this is kind of an interesting story since you wanted uh, a personal experience. Yes. So we were there over the summer. Our, our friend uh, Vinny Carbone ran the, uh, the ghost hunts there. And so we had a couple of guys and a couple of girls. And supposedly on the second floor where Eliza Tremel's bedroom is, um, they say that she doesn't like when there's men in there. They'll get more activity on any mm -hmm. sessions when they do it with just women. Okay. So we were running Echovox on a tablet through a Bluetooth speaker across the room. Um, it was three or four of the women with us in the room doing the session. And then myself, Vincent, and another uh, gentleman named Dennis went upstairs and we did something separately. While the girls were in there, um, during the session, they were asking questions something like that. And then an entire curtain rod over one of the windows just collapsed and came slamming down. And then they heard a female's voice laugh through the speaker with oh, the echo wow. box. And they were a little bit freaked out, let me say, to, uh, I bet. to the least. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's that. See, that's the kind of stuff that it's like, do I really want to stay here? Hmm, okay. And I tell everybody, you know, even when you do paranormal research, um, there's a lot of times where you like, I mean, how can I say it? That's what you're there for. You're trying to catch Yeah. But it doesn't stop you from going, huh? And no, wanting to bolt out the door. <laughs> Of course, now everybody who does this probably has some moment when they've had the caca scared out of them, and I say caca, and, yes. and I mean that wholeheartedly. Yeah, um, yeah, it happens. It happens to us. Um, one of the most unnerving feelings I've ever had in probably six or seven years um, about or around a location was was early on. Then it eventually it subsided. Was the the Hinsdale House okay. in Hinsdale, New York? Mm -hmm. um, where I think one a couple of shows at least I think I think Paranormal Lockdown uh, Nick Roth went there. Yes, yeah. Um, you feel it. I can't. I you know what I'm talking about because yes. you've been doing this long enough. Mm -hmm. You absolutely feel it. Every one of us. There were five of us. Uh, every one of us was having second thoughts about even staying there that night. Okay. There was an exorcism that was performed on the house or in the property. Um, a lot of death happened outside the house. Okay. Uh, eventually, we kind of get a little goofy, and we were joking around, and, which I'm all for, because when you're dealing with energy, like people say, you know, mm -hmm. don't be in a bad place because you attract, you know, whatever kind of energy you got going on. Right. So to me, that's good. Laughing, joking around, positive yes. energy, you're putting yes. it out there. Um, I think we broke our mood, and we kind of lightened up a little bit because of that. Yeah. But we were all, like, people were nauseous and dizzy and didn't want to stay. We're like, you know, there's a holiday in down the street. We were really having second thoughts uh -huh. about staying in there for the night on, on sleeping bags and cots and stuff because it really felt bad. And one of the things that, especially houses like the Hinsdale, you know, that, that, that you've got different type of, you know, people conducting paranormal investigations. Yep. How can I say this? Not everybody is meant to do this. And some people have something walking with them. I don't care if you can call yourself a paranormal investigator. That when they go to these places, they bring something with them. In other words, 
you get like an accumulation of energy that part of it is originally what's there, but part of it is something that comes with the people that visit there. That's brilliant because that's one of that's one of the things that I don't remember who said it, but somebody offered that up as one of the reasons why that that house is, is the way it is. And it gets you get the... like a, this supercharged, like a spiritual turbulence, like exactly yep. like what you described, where everybody in the group is actually having physical symptoms of of what people describe when you're feeling nervous or sick, nauseous, you know, uneasy, like I want to leave. Yeah. Even though I'm sure you were probably all excited before thinking that you were going to investigate this place. And then yeah, yeah. all you're thinking about is how quick can I get out of here? Which is like yeah. your intuition oh, yeah. telling you, you need to get out of here. And yeah. I'll... So here's, here's the crazy part about people who do what we do. We're going back. Yes, go ahead. We're going back uh, in, in February. And I think we're going back, weather permitting. And you I think we're going what? back again a couple months after that. It, as paranormal research goes... It, it is a fascinating location. Right. Um, we, we did get evidence. Um, we did have a couple of things happen that were kind of bizarre. Okay. Um, one of us had gotten affected uh, again later on. Um, but, we're, you know, we're, we're going back. And, and, you know. Let me ask you. What do they you, say? Have you ever had anything follow you home? Ha! Yeah. I, have ne- I don't know if I've ever been more in sync on an interview when I've been interviewed on a show <laughs> than with you. Like you're stepping on the next thing that would follow up what what actually had experience. I don't know if you're psychic or anything, okay. but um, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm serious. So I, I was going to say that the only time I've ever had any kind of negative anxiety or anything like that since I've been doing this was mm-hmm. when I had I had an attachment problem one time when I lived in Los Angeles. Oh. Um, I don't that. know if it was something that followed me home. Okay. I don't know if it was something that manifested um, at the time. And, and uh, the, the girl I used, to, I used to date at the time had anger management problems. And I know the fact that I attributed this happening to her, she wasn't happy about. But, um, okay. you know, it is what it is. Um, when you say an attachment, what, what happened? Okay, so I had a shaman get rid of it. I'll start at the end. Okay. It either manifested from the angst and anxiety and stuff that that was happening between us. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Okay. Or it was with her and it jumped to me from the angst and anxiety, or it latched on at a location from the angst and anxiety. Okay. Those are the three possibilities they gave me. Weren't sure which. Okay. Um, said it was a dark energy or entity. It wasn't very powerful, but it was definitely dark and it was definitely trying to mess with me that's was what you told me non-human i don't think so 
I don't believe that it was. I don't, I don't believe it was a human. Um, non-human, so it was non-human. Yeah, I believe okay. it was non-human, yeah. Okay. Um, so she said it was around for like a month, but it took, I guess it took some time to build up enough energy or momentum. Ab- absolutely. And I'm to rear its ugly head. And so yeah. what happened was is at first I had a little heating dish that would uh, motion sensitive for mm-hmm. fire safety. You bump it and go, eh. Uh, I have another one over here now, but um, different one. And so it was going off like a REM pod. Okay? It would just sound off. And I'm like, that's okay. weird. Um, and then one time I woke up and I had scratches in, in my beard here like this. And it was just like a, you know, a shadowy beard like this. Right. And I had scratches. And Now, my son has a cat. But when she would stay over uh, or because she would stay over, by the time the cat wasn't allowed in the bedroom. Okay. So Plus, I don't, it wasn't that kind of a deep scratch. I've gotten cat scratches before. Right, exactly. Uh, and certainly he wouldn't be on my face um, because that would wake me up like that. So then it was that, and then I had a little concern. I was getting anxiety in the, the solar plexus um, in the middle of my chest kind of for no reason. Mm-hmm. And then what sealed the deal was when I had all that happening, I called the guy from the group um, that I was with called Para, P-A-R-A out there. Okay. And he checked one of the shaman, and she said, yeah, she, what I told you is something dark, blah, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. This is Thursday. Uh, come in and see me on Saturday. I'll get rid of it. Okay. So on the Friday in between, uh, my son's four or five years old, I forget at the time. Um, I pick him up from his mom. And by the way, no drama there. She and I get along. Right, right. That was just, yeah, regular stuff. Yeah. Yep. We get along great even till, to this day. Um, I pick him up and I said, we're going to stop at the supermarket. Uh, I named like five items maybe mm-hmm. real quick. We're going to go home, we'll eat and watch TV, whatever. We get in the supermarket. Two of the items that I talked about in the car flew off the shelf when I got to them in the supermarket. Oh. A package of American cheese, the little the craft like 12 singles or whatever it is, just like that, that popped out of the bin and landed on the floor. That was true. Went up and out. And the other one was a loaf of bread from the second shelf from the top. It just slid out from the other loaves and hit the floor. That's generally not my shopping experience. <laughs> that was traveling with you. Wherever you went, there it was. It was like... Yeah. Yep. And so then the next day, we got rid of it, and I felt the, the ease of the anxiety and the tension. And then nothing nothing ever since. And then since then, I have another friend who's a shaman from that group who's... Her name is Pamela Dinkowitz. She's out there in L.A. or near L.A. Mm-hmm. And, and she'll check in with me from time to time, and she tells me that I have spirit guide animals now that are protecting me, and I'm a lot more grounded. And right. So whatever that thing was or whatever that situation was, at the time it wasn't a, a great story. Uh, now it gives me a story to tell, and I think that that thing was kind of like training camp for a fighter. I think that thing, it, it toughened me up. It made me aware of, you know, of not taking situations or those kind of possibilities lightly. Mm-hmm. And and being prepared to you know to deal with something like that if it happens you know it um, that is the only time since I've been doing this stuff right. I'm like everybody else who doesn't uh, I, I don't um, propose the idea of taunting I'm not a proponent of that at all but when I had that thing going on I taunted it I did I sat in the car and I saged my car it looked like a scene from a Cheech and Chong movie like up <laughs> I in know, smoke I know and they're smoking pot in the car so that's yeah. what it looked like. And I talked to it. I was like, don't get comfortable. Your ass is gone. Yeah. Because at that point, it's invading my space. It, it's yes. invading my personal, you know, my person, my personal area. And so then that, that's, that's where I draw the line to. I'm, I'm, even with people, I'm very easygoing and non-confrontational. But that thing was here. 
And so, well, and, and, but you know, I'm glad you mentioned something because a lot of things, you know, thanks to Hollywood, thanks Hollywood. Everybody thinks that when you get involved, something like, let's say an attachment, it's like 72 hours later, things are flying around in your house and that's not the way it works. Uh, it's very slow incremental stuff. Okay. Sometimes it starts maybe with a nightmare or weird feelings or feeling anxiety or just uneasy. Uh, you know, it, it builds up as to, it might take weeks, months sometimes for it to get to the point that you realize, wow, something is going on. Uh, yeah. it, it depends also, uh, what kind of person you are, how in tune you are to yourself. Because if let's say you're a person that's got a lot of drama going on to begin with, as an example, this could go by for months before you realize, okay, there's yeah. something extra. I got some, somebody extra around with me. Um, and yeah, it, like you said, it could have been, you know, depending on how you felt, uh, probably your intuition was going off like the alarm bells, This, which is sometimes the anxiety and stuff that you feel uh, trying to tell you something's going on. Yeah. You just don't like pay attention. But that that's good though, that you had access to a shaman that was able to dislodge it right away. Yeah, there are two in the group that were both very, very good. Um, the one, uh, Phyllis Douglas, who got rid of it for me. Mm -hmm. And um, and the other one I mentioned, Pamela, uh, I, still, I still chat with her. Matter of fact, um, and this connects the dots, and I'm all about dot connecting when I can. Um, when we were in the SUV with uh, five of us, it was me and four women, five of us went up to Hinsdale House mm -hmm. a couple months back in November. Everybody was on their phone except the driver. Right. Important to point that okay. out. Um, I actually checked in and, and touched base with, with Pamela Dinkowitz, who is one of the shamans who would still look out for me now. And that's when she was telling me about that I had a new spirit guide animal. It was a black panther. Okay. Um, because I just, I wanted to cover all of my bases. Right. I knew about that house. I had heard from other people that I had worked with before. There's a group in North Jersey called Barefort Paranormal, Robert and Sandra Bandoff, they're great people. Mm -hmm. um, they had been up there. He had scratches on his car, I think on the inside. Um, uh, he said another guy had power locks in his car when he was leaving, going, she just kept going up and down. Another guy's navigation on his phone kept directing him back to the house when he left. Yeah. So, and this is not a person who sensationalizes a lot of right. stuff. So, or exactly. so, so when he knew we were going, and then he kind of gave us the cautionary, you know, uh, I wanted to go into that prepared for the possibility, right? Right. Like maybe the lights don't go off from the storm, but you have candles. That was my Just mission. So I, I reached out to Pam, uh, Pam Think was the shaman who's, uh, I love her, she's great. Um, just to be aware and prepared so that there was no grass growing under the feet with anything negative possible. And I'm, you know, a lot of people, sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes people have problems with their aura. That's why it's easy for them to, to get an attachment. But I tell people, yes. you know, sometimes if you can be physically exhausted, or you're getting sick, you're coming down with a cold. It doesn't have to be anything emotional. Sometimes you're better off not going on some of these cases, especially like you said, if you know there's a possibility of something dark being there, because believe it or not, they're gonna target you. Even if yeah. your physical defenses are down, let's say you've been working overtime for the last yeah. week, and you're really like, man, I could go to sleep, but instead you decide you're gonna go there, or you're getting sick. I tell people, there's times 
no matter how much you want to go, especially if you already know there's a possibility of that there's an intelligent and possibly malevolent haunting at a location, you need to bow out for yourself and so that you don't become a liability to your team. And a lot of people don't see that, don't do that because they don't realize how easy sometimes, again, right. it is for something like this to attach itself to you. Just because if you, even if you're physically depleted, because it's, yeah. that's, that's the way it works. And those are sometimes yeah. things that people don't take into consideration when they're going to participate in a, in an investigation. Again, it's sometimes, like I said, you go on an investigation, there's nothing there or it's residual. There's nothing there, but in a place like this that you already knew beforehand, Hey, you know what, whatever is there is intelligent, possibly dark, or at least knows how to manipulate, which in my experience, when you have an intelligent haunting that's manipulative, you're either talking yeah. non-human, which is not that common, non-human. And by the way, I say this before and everybody knows when I say non-human, I don't, I don't only mean demonic. There's a lot of other non-human entities out there besides demons. Right, right, right. Either non-human or if it is human, it was probably a very dark personality in life that they were manipulative even when they were alive. And they know they're dead and they're still, in other words, you're just as bad as a non-human attachment. Yeah. So, because uh, your regular dead person that's got their own thing going on, whether they're on a loop or they built the house, sometimes depends, but they're not really that dark. They, they, they just don't do things of what, like what you described. You know? Yeah. It's like, as a matter oh, of fact, was... they usually make, they make themselves scarce. Like, man, I hope they pick up their crap and leave quick and they'll go hide out in the attic or the basement or in a closet or the yeah. cupboard, you know, it's like, oh, let them go. Because all I want to do is hang out with the living or maybe go around and this was their house. When you get stuff, what you described, you have to be a little bit careful because then you're dealing with something that is either wants to scare you away or whenever the dead want to manipulate the living like that, that's that you got to be really, really careful because it's all downhill from there. And yeah. a lot of people don't realize that as a living person, if you had an attachment and you die, you still carry that attachment with you. So you could have the ghost of a, what was a human person with a non-human entity still piggyback on it. Okay. Which makes it, a lot of people don't realize that really what you're dealing with is two entities. And maybe that's right. why this human person, when they were alive, maybe did a lot of dark, terrible things. And now that they're dead, that they still have that attachment. A lot of people don't realize um, when they encounter dark stuff, really what's at the root of it. Right. And, uh, and that very well could be the story behind, oh, yeah. I don't know, but it, you know, it could be the story behind Hinsdale because there were, and then there were two brothers that at some point in its history were killing travelers as they went by. And, and um, we, we worked with a, a psychic from New Jersey. Her name is Intuitive April. She okay. looked her up on Facebook. She's one of my friends. Um, she was seeing just like the souls of the dead just walking, tons of them walking the, the, the dirt road outside of that house. And she was saying there was stuff under the house. Like it was just mm -hmm. animals killed. Like it just was. It was and so she's coming with us this next time. Right. Um, uh, see, that's 
In other words, like there's she, a lot to what's going, what went on there. In other words, yeah, yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely enough of a B12 shot to energize whatever negative stuff might be going on. Um, so yeah, we felt it on the way in, and I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm reaching out to Pam. You know, what do I need to do? You know, and she could tell immediately that I was more grounded and more solid than I had been yeah. uh, in the past, especially since she knew me when I went through the other situation. So yeah. Um, I will not be so susceptible again. Well, you know, uh, believe it or not, it what you did, what you did when you, I, I don't believe in confrontation, but what you said that you told this entity, hey, you've, you're going to get out of here. I, I tell people the same thing. You see a lot of people give up control of their space, of their person very easily to yeah, no. supernatural. It's like, no, you have to, this is, this is just, you're supposed to be here. You're alive. And you see a lot of people just give up their power very easily. Uh, yeah, my friend, my, my friend Phyllis Douglas, the shaman who actually did the, the, the ceremony to get rid of it, she told me that you can't, I can't Palo Santos or sage it away. Mm -hmm. um, but it does affect it, and it doesn't yes, like it. Of course. It it, it's, it it keeps it at arm's length, which mm -hmm. it's not happy about, but it pushes it back. Um, and then she would have me come in to get rid of it. So when she told me that, that's when I did the whole Cheech and Chong thing. Yeah. And I sat in my car. I just filled it up with the sage smoke. And I'm like, how do you like me now? I'm like, so Hugh Hefner with a cigar of sage. Is, you know what? People that's don't realize that that is like like nails on a, on a, on a chalkboard for those things. It's like, ah, yeah. yes. Oh, absolutely. It's not like, okay. And, and, and depending, sometimes... Whether, you know, because there's different layers of attachment. Uh, sometimes I'll actually leave. And, and maybe, she, you know, she realized what it was for some reason that you, she, you were going to need an intercession from a shaman yeah. to dislodge it. But there's other times that depending, especially if it's just fresh, you start doing that. And I used to sage down my car when I would leave an investigation. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, even if I turned a corner or... And I had other investigators because, you know, everybody would come in their vehicle and they would be like, what are you doing, Marlene? I'm like, I'm making sure nobody's coming home with me. Yep. Nope. Thanks. No, thanks. They can hitchhike yeah. with you. And after it, a while, I started doing crazy it. crazy until it happens. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It all sounds crazy until it happens. And um, when it does, like I said, for now, it's a great story. But at the time... And there's a lot the time, of... There's so, much. so many interesting places in the area where you live now. Up there in uh, New York, New Jersey, the Northeast. So that's so that's one of the things. So it's so funny. So here I am. I start in L.A. Right. Right. Um, this this group power had. They used meet up um, because they had I don't know 25, 30 people. Mm -hmm. A lot of events would be like 18 or 20 people max. So the first ones to RSVP would get to go to that one. And then you're on a waiting list if somebody can't go. Whatever. Right. Just to try to make it fair. But they were active. At least every month they had one thing, maybe two. Okay. Um, I moved back to New Jersey. Uh, my ex-wife and I are again very good friends, and, and it was to put my son near his family. Okay. So we come back. Uh, before I come back, I look for a group that's Ghost Adventures Crew, GAC affiliated, because that's the one I was with there. Right. Um, I've become a member of uh, Central Jersey Paranormal Research Group. Okay. Great people. Uh, it was a nice team. Um, they've since disbanded the couple who started it, moved to Altoona, Pennsylvania, and so then the one guy was going to take over and run it, and it just, it just fell apart. I think everybody kind of went different ways, but uh, they weren't doing that much stuff. We did a couple of residential things. He did like, a, like an old pub in Plainfield, New Jersey. It was kind of like, 
And I felt like I am not doing any of this. And this is, I didn't want to move here and give up. That was one of the things about moving away from California that I didn't like. I'm like, now I got on a team here right. and now I'm going to leave that. And, and everybody's like, oh, there's so many old places in the East. I went, I don't know anything. And then I'm with a group that's not really doing anything. Um, they had mentioned a place called the Shanley, not the Stanley in Ohio, in Colorado. The Shanley in, in Ellenville or Napanock, New York, which I just went to last Saturday, actually. Um, uh-huh. uh, it just reopened. It was closed for a while. The original owner, Sal, who everybody loved, died, and it was mishandled for a while. Um, and then they, so they mentioned this place, Shanley, and I'm hearing all this stuff about it, but then they never went. So finally, um, I, I may become friends with this guy, Dennis, who lives in Manhattan. Um, and then from going to the New Jersey Power Unity Expo, that New Jersey Paranormal NJP and, and John Ruggiero um, and is Chris Theron, who are part of that group, do a fantastic job to to do. It's a huge expo. It's grown every year like weeds. Wow. The New Jersey Power Unity Expo. It's it's so well done. Um, so I, I became friends and met other people and stuff. And then through talking to other people and then signing up for little public things here and there, um, I started to realize what you just said which is that there are really a lot of places here. Uh, Morris Jamel Mansions is, by car, just across the river in Manhattan, maybe 18, 20 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Um, there are places out on, out on Long Island, New York. Um, yeah. Chrysler Mansion in Staten Island. God. South. I did, I did, I did a thing, an there? article on Chrysler Mansion, which is like, you know that, who that lady that's haunting is not who they say it is. It's, I don't but, even know if that place is operating anymore, too. I did it two years ago. I, I want to say like two years ago I had gone up for sale, and I don't know if somebody bought it or what happened with oh. it. I don't know. I don't know what what became of it. But uh, that's that's a really interesting. But I did the historical research on the on the Chrysler, what happened and everything, besides the guy that they killed. <laughs> that yeah, day. yeah. <laughs> that they... are, you from, are you from the Northeast, or are you just no. very familiar with the landscape? Okay. But my husband, he's from he's from Elizabeth. Well, from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow! All right, so I grew up in Union, New Jersey, which is the next town. It's the neighboring right. town. Right, and I mean, he came down here like in two thousand, but he still calls it home. <laughs> but no, yeah. I don't. I don't. I was born and raised here in Miami. I mean, I went up there, you know, to visit family. But uh, like I said, but there's a lot of interesting places, and when you're in oh, cool. this and you read about all these different places and. Uh, Clearly, you're familiar. You're familiar with the landscape outside of your immediate area. Oh yeah, absolutely. Quite, quite well. Yeah, that's that's. that's I mean, I've worked with but... other groups. I've always been freelance, uh, and I've worked with a lot okay. of groups from the, around the United States. But besides that, um, I look at some of these uh, locations because, like I said, sometimes it's really interesting. I mean, the truth is stranger than the fiction of these locations, yeah. and one of them is a Chrysler Mansion, as far as. Yeah. Uh, not the actual history of the family. I mean, they had a suicide and everything, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, like two years ago, it was up for sale. They had like renovated it, and and I, I believe they shot a little bit of Boardwalk Empire there, a couple of scenes. Yes, I heard that. I was yeah. there not not this past November of the last year. Mm-hmm. The year before that November, right before I went to Los Angeles, my girlfriend and I went to Kreischer and did uh, we did a Ghost Hunts USA event because um, they were running something and we really wanted to go to that place and we finally saw there was an availability so we went and did that um, other places I don't know if you heard of too that, um, that I've come to know and love here uh, there's a woman named Laura Cole Shirley who runs Haldeman Mansion in Bainbridge Pennsylvania it's near York okay no. Hald- Haldeman uh, fascinating place 
um, White Hill Mansion, Fieldsboro, New Jersey. That's about an hour and a half south of here. Um, it was built in 1723, so that's it's 53 years before this right. was the United States of America. Yes. Um, it's another George Washington, uh, Hessian soldiers kind of place, similar to Morris Jamel, which is 10 years there's, um, um, prior to the U.S. God, because there's so many things, like you said, that area of Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, you know, the, you know, the, original, the, the, the original colonies. Uh, there's another yeah. one that's uh, in Pennsylvania called Cap Captain Grant's Inn, which is, again, pre-revolutionary, has a long history, as known to be haunted. Um, and that's also uh, a lot of the times where they have the uh, these graveyards. I mean, this was the time when people, you know, basically you had small graveyards or family graveyards. Yeah. It was yeah. it was very common. Not like now that you have the big city graveyards to... Uh, even though I, over in New York, I know they have these huge, what is it? I'm trying to think. Is yeah. it Green Lawn or I can't? All these cemeteries, they all have to have the same names. I know, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, so now I'm working with a group. I'm part of a group called Island Paranormal Society. They're out of Long Island, New York. It's run by a guy named Matt Haas. Okay. Um, they, um, they do a place, it's a historic place in New Jersey, in, in Clifton called, or Nutley, called the uh, Kingsland Manor. Okay. That's, a, that's another place if you want to look it up. Kingsland Manor. It's a very... Okay. It's a historic place, fascinating, very, very active. Um, and there's a lot of um, places like what you were mentioning. Uh, there's a team called Seekers Club, Seekers, Par Seekers Club, uh, the Par I can't remember the whole name. It's the Seekers Club. Okay. They're out of, Brook they're out of Brooklyn. It's run by a guy named Anthony Simonelli. Um, he does a lot of stuff with Island Paranormal Society. Okay. Um, he lives right by, the, right by the cemetery, like walking distance pretty much from... Where the Fox Sisters are. Okay, from where they used to have the cabin and everything. Okay. Yeah, from where, where they're actually where their actual graves are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two, two of them are buried in that one cemetery right by where it's right by Queens by Glendale, New York. Okay. Um, so there's one of those locations there. Um, there's people, again, New Jersey Paranormal, uh, John Rogerio and Chris there, and they run a bunch of historic locations throughout New Jersey. Um, and then you have, of course, you have, they do uh, shows or, or events at Burlington County Prison in South Jersey. Okay. Um, I've yet to go to yet, but um, then you have uh, Eastern State Penitentiary. Yeah, I've been to Eastern um, State. I've been to Rolling Hills up in Buff by next to Buffalo. Okay, I've not been there yet. That's on my list. Eastern State, I did. Uh, Rolling Hills is on my list. Let me tell you something. That Eastern, I mean, that place is remote, so I'm thinking that when that was out there, like, that's really, if you want to, like, to have somebody disappear, you would take them out there. It's in the middle of nowhere. Hills. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like nothing. I mean, I was looking at it. I'm thinking, I can imagine this 200 years ago. This oh, wow. was in the middle absolutely of nowhere. In other words, this was a place like where you would drop off family members. It was a poor farm, but also where, you know, they took a lot of people that had uh, some type of disability. You know, the family don't. This was a place to take them because nobody was going to find you out there. Yeah. Very interesting I've place. Been... I've been doing events a couple per month, like the activity since when I first moved back where I felt like I wasn't doing anything. Uh -huh. It's like I'm nowhere near that now. Now I'm doing so much stuff, and there are still places I have not gotten to. Yes. Um, Rolling Hills is on the list. Penhurst um, yes. is on my list. I, I would love to go to Penhurst. If you ever come up, let me know because yes. that's on my list too. Let me so tell you something. Asylums, I, I hate to say it. I tell everybody I don't need to go. Unfortunately, you know they're going to be active. You know it. That's Yeah. It. Just because so of Penhurst, what took place there. There's a Paracon that's run there, and there's a lot of events that are run there by uh, a gentleman named Bob Christopher. 
And okay. and then his his lady uh, Gina Bengston, they run a stuff at Penhurst. Um, then there's Pamela and Steve Barry, who um, are from the Gettysburg Ghost Exchange in Gettysburg. Yeah. And they run um, there's a new place called the I think Lighthouse or something. Um, they run a couple of things out by Gettysburg too. And these are these are all people um, who are just who are running quality events at some of these right. historic places that I am now becoming familiar with. I've been to Gettysburg. Three times, three times, and Gettysburg. I mean, it's beautiful just to go out there, even if you're just sightseeing. But yeah. that that place, absolutely, it's got residual stuff. But it, again, I think it's just the timing also to have an experience out there. But, yeah. And so all this stuff that we're talking about, all these locations, again, Morris, Jamel, White Hill Manch, all these places at Gettysburg, as active and hot spotish as they are. I don't even know if hot spotish is a word, but I just used it. Why not? Um, yeah. Still, still, for me, the most consistently active place I've ever been to is David Oman's house in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And I asked, I remember asking Dave, was there anything here on this piece of land? And he goes, no. He says, there was nothing here. But you know that that Benedict Canyon has got a lot of... Oh. God, that place is... They say... They say uh, Native American burial, yes. or at least Native at least Native American grounds, if not sacred burial. You know, it's at least Native American grounds. Of course, back you know back in the day, for one, uh, it's, it's a the national uh, the NGI the, the geo. Oh, I've drawn a black on the name. <laughs> the, the the geomagnetic readings yes. are, are anomalous at this location, and so the the geological society doesn't they don't know why that they, they get like negative milligauss and positive and it's like a, a five thousand plus or minus like yeah, outside it's like the house really weird stuff stir. going on there it's bizarre there's there's an off-balance light feeling in the, on the bottom third floor um and so that that's a superconductor well you know, you know that for activity that the ghost that dave says that he saw which is jay which was the guy that got killed by the manson yes. family with uh with sharon tate but they had been engaged at one point but then at that point they were just good friends okay right. you know he had a house there close by he lived in the vicinity okay on benedict his house that had stuff going on in it before his own house jay's own house uh they had uh rudy valentino used to live there in benedict canyon a lot of weird stuff he had a cursed ring uh and it's like a lot of stuff from those houses there, you know, that are very unusual as far as supernatural activity is concerned. Yeah, really it's just funny to me, all the old places with all the history and all the undocumented history that we talked yeah. about that could be part of certain places and all that, right? And yet, that location, I think because of the, the geological anomaly and because of the history, um, both... Native American and, and after, um, that place is still like, how we said before, it is so unpredictable how you can go to places and just get nothing and then all of a sudden you might get something or, yeah. every time I've been to David's house, every single time, the little figurines falling down, well, we saw a movie poster, a full-size movie poster that's right behind his bar with a glass front and a frame come off the wall by itself in slow motion, one hook at a time. Seven of us watched that. Well, and then David caught it before it hit the bar. So, I don't know if he told you that he th there was stuff happening while the house was being built. That he yes. had construction people having experiences, yep. hearing p 
people on the stairs while the house was under construction that yeah. they they kind of were like didn't want to say anything <laughs> now the, the house next to his on on the street on Seattle Drive mm-hmm. um, I think it's one house closer towards where the original gate to the mansion was right you know, the the mansion the mansion that was there originally was torn down in 94 right and it was divided into lots one of which David and his father built on Right. The one next to it, they rented out to a bunch of kids, and if they're college kids or YouTubers or whatever. Um, so David had become friends with them. And so the last time I was there a year ago, we went into their house also Okay. with some of the equipment and we're doing some stuff too. And there was some weird stuff happening in that house too. Say that. That's what I'm saying. That whatever was there was on the land before, you know. And again, you know, a lot of... You know, when you get to what happened with uh, Sharon Tate and the murder and all of that, I mean, was it, I mean, if you think about it, was it just the, the, the person's destiny that this was going to happen to them? Or was there something there active on that land that yeah. brought these, you know how when people cross paths, you know, you know, talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, was this absolutely yeah. the wrong place? And then there's other people that, you know, sometimes, you know how you dodge the bullet, you know, sometimes people get killed and the <clears throat> the one person misses the plane, doesn't go to the party, whatever the case might be. I mean, again, yeah. was it, uh, yeah, but that that's a very interesting area. There's a lot of other stories attached to it. The thing with the, this murder, of course, it's garnered a lot of attention and exposure. But if you do a lot Definitely. of uh, research, a lot of weird stuff have happened to houses that are in that area right there. Very unusual. And usually yep. gruesome stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, the, but in, um, in your area, God, there's so many. I, Long Island, I don't know what it is about Long Island. It's got a lot of unusual, like, uh, anomalies and yeah. places that are, that are, sound like they would be great to investigate them. Yeah, I just I just started working with um, with Island Paranormal Society, and um, so they have a place. It's a, it's an undisclosed location. They don't they don't broadcast it um, because it's not open to the public kind of thing for for tours and investigations. But they consider it their lab that where, where they get to go. Right. Here's the keys. Stay as long as you like. You know, use your stuff. Well, whatever. And so I'd heard about this before I was with that group, and so for the first time uh, on the fifth of January, actually, we got to go out and investigate that place um and it was a big beautiful location and uh it was pretty active it was um it was it was pretty darn active um we got some some bizarre results it had it had a um i can tell you this it had a servant's quarters on the top floor okay um it's not i don't think 1600 1700 old i think it's probably 18. okay um and so there was me and two or three other gentlemen on the top floor in the servants' quarters uh, area. It's like a long area with a lot of rooms. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend, who's um, of Puerto Rican descent, and okay. she's darker skin and darker hair. Mm-hmm. So she's a darker skin Latina. Okay. Um, and so she asks during a spirit box session if we're speaking to the lady of the house. And clear as day, through the speaker comes the N word. Oh, and we didn't hear that at the we didn't hear it at the time, um, but we heard it when we reviewed. Um, which now, is, why was that interest? Why was that interesting? Um, because of the next question, because we didn't hear that. I asked, 
And I said, whose quarters are these? What area of the house are we in? And then it said her name. Really? The next thing was I asked what section of the house. I was looking for the word servant. Right. Or for the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. I don't think they had slaves, but I was looking for servants to right. come out of the spirit box without saying it. So I said, what section of the house were we in? Uh, whose area was this? Whatever. And it says, her name is Lourdes. And it goes, Lourdes's. And that we heard, wow. when we put it together reviewing the evidence, we were like, what? Yeah. Same. So, so and, only in Long Island do you get racially profiled and insulted by a spirit. And that goes, but, but I, and I hate to, when you look at it within the context, but then it, it adds validity because this was the mindset. Absolutely. Whoever lived there at maybe at that time. You know, Absolutely. Because back that, that that entity is not thinking about political correctness. You see what I'm no, saying? No, of course they're, not. They're like, they're blah, blah, blah. So, of course, that tells you, okay, whoever's here, first of all, is intelligent. is an intelligent haunting. Okay. And they're like, in other words, they're answering your question. Yeah, I can I can send that to you too because we didn't yeah. we didn't hear the insult part at the moment. We might have heard the word come out, but this is why you record sessions, especially not just EVP but Spirit Box, because you will always not always, but a lot of the times you'll hear more okay. in review that you may have missed. You may hear a word, but there may have been a phrase. Yes. So we didn't hear that, but when we reviewed it, <coughs> excuse me, I'm laughing. When we reviewed it, it connected to the next question because I asked about what, what area we were in. And then it was, it was like they were trying to tell us, you're not getting it. It's her. Yes. So, and you know what? And despite you might think, even servants had a pecking order. So even though you might think it might have been the owner of the house, it could have also been servants because servants, they had this, their pecking order where they would look down on other servants yeah. depending on what you did in the household. Uh, yeah. So it could also have very well have been, uh, for all you know, the housekeeper, you know, the one that had the chains on her waist and ran the house. And uh, that that happens a lot. And then maybe that's why she was up there because, you know, they, they kind of ran. If you were a servant in one of these houses, they kind of ran your life, you know. Yeah. Part, you, you know, you had to stay up there and you had to behave and you had to be good and uh that that's that's what you got in exchange for getting employment <laughs> yeah just to make our personal uh political correctness standpoints clear when we heard both of those pieces of evidence sitting right here uh, we were in tears laughing for about 15 20 minutes 
Yeah. We thought it was hilarious. We went, wow. That's just, I mean, as evidence goes, it was pretty compelling. Exactly. Um, That's my point. Exactly. Because it was clear and it seemed to be contextual. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> well, we, we, were, we were laughing quite hard. I hate to say it, but sometimes this is what you get when you're looking for something that's genuine, authentic. This is this is how authentic it can get. Yeah. You know, I've I've had people just the same thing that you talked about. I've had people that get targeted because whatever's there doesn't like men or doesn't like women. Yep. And I've had people go into places that if you're a woman, you're going to have a problem or vice versa. If you're a man, you're going to have a problem. And it kind yeah. of and because these are the biases that that the dead have just because in other words, just because you're dead doesn't mean you're kind of any different than um, than who you were when you were alive. And there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of rotten people out there. Yeah, and those 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 biases and stuff, uh, sadly, you know, to this day still exist with some people. But those those were the truths that they lived that they exactly. knew at the time yes. in these given locations. So there's a uh, at uh, White Hill Mansion in Fieldsboro, New Jersey, the place that was uh, from 1723 that I mentioned a few moments ago. Mm -hmm. There's a bar downstairs. Um, I think Paranormal Lockdown went there also. Um, they don't, whoever does not like women behind the bar. So what does every group that go down there do? Put a woman behind the bar. They put a woman behind the bar. <laughs> start yeah. asking questions. Yeah. And so, and that's, but you know, that's, that's what you do, I guess. If you want to, sometimes you, if you want to test a theory and see if it if it holds up, you know the the Eliza Jamel bedroom thing, right? They say when it's men in there, she doesn't like a man in her bedroom. Yeah. Evidence sometimes seem to be a little bit thin when it's just a group of women investigating there. Ta-da! So we a lot over of there, fear. we went with the ta-da approach, and then the curtain rod came down. That that's but, your ta that's pretty ta-da right there. Yeah, There's, it kind of um, is. Um, well, that part of you know Hell's Kitchen. In New York, uh -huh. once upon a time, this was obviously that's why it was called Hell's Kitchen. But God, all yeah. these horrible things went on there. You know that they had these taverns and what uh, I think several of them were called the House of Blazes because it was like everything went on there. You know they had prostitution going on upstairs and a saloon downstairs and talk yeah. about people getting killed. You know, and a lot of these places later on they made them into houses or apartments. And I'm thinking, I imagine there's got to be people that have lived in some of these places that have got the most weirdest paranormal occurrences going on. Yeah, so, so I mentioned Go ahead. I mentioned a friend earlier, named, uh, my friend Dennis. His name is Dennis Tassone. Um, he'll love that I mentioned him on here. Um, he, I went to the Shanley in upstate New York. He lives right in the Hell's Kitchen area. Okay. Um, and so he, he works at a, at a place that's like a Broadway uh, paraphernalia and stuff, whatever store in Times Square right near there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knows of, I think even where he works, but he knows of places in that area where, unfortunately, you can't, you can't get these places to let teams. They won't put, let people investigate. Right. Manhattan's a very hard nut to crack. The Morris Jamel Mansion, just because it's so far uptown, right, and, and a historic place, and and they, you know, they seem to get some of the benefit from it. Yeah, I was um, gonna say they're getting the benefit of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, but a, a lot of places in Manhattan don't, <laughs> and that benefit of it thing is a really huge thing too, by the way, because. People don't realize that that one of the one of the byproducts that comes from this paranormal stuff being so popular is uh, Holderman Mansion in Bainbridge, PA, that Laura Coltrilli runs. Uh, um, White Hill Mansion down in Fieldsboro. These places, 
if they just did school field trips and did the occasional picnic or movie on the front lawn kind of thing, right. they're not making that much money. Right. But when you get ghost hunting groups that are coming in there, sure. spending a grand or 800 bucks for a Friday night, yep. they're making yes. so much more revenue than they would make if they didn't do it. Absolutely. And so you're bringing in a class of people for all intents and purposes, most of us, right? Most of us mm -hmm. um, appreciate, admire, and respect the history. Exactly. So you have people who understand where they are. They respect the location. They mm -hmm. want it to be there for themselves to come back and other people. And they're putting money into that that's putting a new roof on the place or, or yeah. helping keep you know the heat on or whatever it is. And so... What better synergy and combination of, of things can you possibly ask for in this field than to have a place that's been able to sustain itself from 1723 yes. or 1766 or whatever it is and still have that to share with the school kids or yes. with whoever wants to see it in the museum when they do shows or whatever. But a lot of these places, they, they make, they're able um because let's face it even these places even if it's old it needs upkeep it as a matter of fact it needs a lot of upkeep you know yeah. people don't realize that uh and but yeah when when it uh when even if it's not even uh for for paranormal investigators because i know the, a lot of these places have become like labs where a team can go there let's say for the weekend you know and yeah. spend an overnight uh, but still, even if it's not that, even if it's just a regular historical place where, you know, you have a docent that takes you on a, on a, on a thing, if it has a reputation of possibly being haunted, you, I think you do get more traffic. You know? Oh, hundred percent too. White Hill Mansion in Fieldville, New Jersey saw a, a boom in foot traffic. Yes. Like somebody opened up a motor vehicle agency inside Disneyland kind of traffic. Um, yes when they were on paranormal lockdown with Nick Roth. Yeah, of course. And then all of, of a sudden, boom, here come the people. But I, I, to me, again, I think that's, I think that's great. That Haldeman Mansion in Bainbridge, it did need, it needed a new roof. The place needed a new roof. Yes. And it got to do that from people like us spending our yes. 50, 100, 150, whatever, you know, right. for this and that and go in there and buy a t-shirt, whatever. And then every week there's people in that place. And then now that's... it's still there. Exactly. And, you know, I, and, but, you know, for all the, because I've done a lot of, you know, a lot of private homes. Have you done any private homes? I've done some residential, um, not the majority of what I've done, mm -hmm. um, purely through circumstance. I just, uh, some of the groups that I have been in right. um, have chosen to not do them because they feel like it's a liability waiting to happen. Yes. Um, some of them I have been in um, are more focused on the, the helping people part of it. Right. Um and then, so the group I'm in now, Island Paranormal Society from Long Island, New York, they do them. Right. Um, but when they do them, they go with a thinner, uh, a thinner team. They'll go with maybe three or four people. Right. Maybe five, I think, but not the whole group. Um, so we had just had a meeting recently, and they wanted to make sure who was, you know, who was okay with the residential stuff. So right. um, if there is one, I could be on it, or I could not be on it. Right. And and I mean, I've done a lot of residential stuff. And it's really weird because it's, and you're absolutely right. Sometimes there's dynamics going on there. Right. That I want to say I've gone to some where it's like, there's nothing supernatural here. You, there's some, whether it's mental illness or dysfunction in the family, whatever. Yep. And you got to stop, step back away from it. 
other times you get both things and one you know you do have dysfunction yeah. slash mental illness instability being fueled along by supernatural and unfortunately as a team even though you might want to help them out you still got to be really careful yeah. because of something else that's going on there so it's it's right. a and you know what and i hate to say it but because nowadays 20 years ago there wasn't so much i want to say lawsuit crazy things going on yeah and nowadays yes i to totally understand why some teams now when it comes to residential ones they're they're very careful how they handle that or where they're going into or what what they hear when they do a pre-interview with a client yeah yeah a lot of pre-interview stuff the questionnaires and yeah. then the, they go through some steps before they leave yes. and entertain going yes. in with a full crew and, and the whole thing yeah absolutely you have to be careful with that stuff for sure you don't know all the time what's happening in that house before they moved in or while they're there. Yes. And I mean, and you, and you have people that that you want to help them. But I and especially now after this thing with, you know, the paranormal shows where it's like you're not really scared. You're kind of happy that you've got this haunting going on. And basically, right. you don't want to resolve the problem. All you're hoping is that somebody's going to come in and I either number one, confirm it and then tell you who it is. OK. And uh, I've other shows that I've done, I've talked about, especially the people with darker hauntings. I tell them right. the last thing you want is for that to be accurate. I tell them you should be hoping that when you have a team go in there, tell you, hey, you know what? You've got a vent or you've got a raccoon trapped in your attic. There's nothing here supernatural. And right. because people think it's so exciting, it's like you don't really understand the way the supernatural works even with a deceased when i say a regular dead person yeah eventually it there's something especially if the family stays there for a while it just doesn't work out in the favor of the living so i tell people you know what and i and i've seen it i've gone into enough investigations that you're not when they contact you they want you there yesterday oh my god please help us come out quick 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 then right. when you get there and you start talking and interviewing and finding out and they're kind of excited. And of course, at the end, it's obviously they're the homeowners or they're the ones living there. But right, I think right. I've given everybody the same advice. You know that, that eventually this is going to go south for you. It might be next year. It might take 10 years. Oh, no, it's OK. We don't want the, the spirit to leave. And it's like, OK, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, and that's a hundred percent a lot of times they just want to see the stuff they see on tv in their living room yes you know there's 3d there's 4k and then there's look these efforts are right here mm, yeah yeah they're and, in front uh, of my ottoman yeah, but and, that's and the people what? don't realize man you what you should be hoping for is that we're going the team that goes in there tells you hey guess what uh your faucet or your pipe back there do have you noticed you know remember when ghost hunters were you know that originally when they first started that they were you know right. plumbers, plumbers and that they would find hey you know you've got a leaky faucet or that pipe you know that they were and it was like man believe it or not that is the best outcome for if you really think that your house is haunted and I right. people not, go, that's so dull and it's like no it's yeah. not if you not the really, best outcomes for ratings if you're a TV producer. Well, let me, but this it is, is for the for reality the of people that are out there that yeah. see this. When you've been involved in this work, Ron, for a really long time, 
Because you have to understand, one thing is when you go visit someplace, and when it's all done, you pack up and you leave. <laughs> We're talking about the yeah. people that are living there. Yep. People don't understand. This is not what you want. It's not exciting. I've seen a lot of people that their life has unraveled. And when you somehow go to the point of origin, it started either when they started dabbling in something or more when they moved into the house and they recognized there's something there. But maybe yeah. at the beginning, it wasn't really sinister. It was, oh, you know, we would hear some knockings or some... And then as the time went by, it kept getting worse and worse. And yeah. then 10 years later, they're like at their wits end and a lot of really malevolent stuff. And it's like, oh, but 10 years ago, I'm telling yeah. you, it's, it's if, if you've done this work for a while, you do not want to coexist with the dead. I don't care what anybody says out there. And I, and I know that there's a lot of paranormal investigators out there, and I've seen plenty of them, that this is what they say. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything malevolent, so it's okay. And I'm like, mm, okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because no. crazy people always run out there with blood-stained clothes and sharp objects. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, of course. That, that's part of deception is to not, not to seem like something you're supposed to dodge and avoid. Yes, yes. And I'm gonna, and let me ask you, have you done any investigations with, and I'm, because I'm going somewhere with this, with any supposed children, uh, spirit children or ghost children? Um, yes, um, most famously would be, um, the little ghost girl, Jackie, who's uh, exists in the pool area in the and ladies the changing Mary. area on the queen Mary, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because I know, I know that the angle is, is that a lot of times people think that if it's a child spirit or an alleged child spirit, that it's actually something dark or demonic that's using that as a guise to bring mm -hmm. you in. Um, and so when ghost adventures went there, um, and did an episode, um, they had uh, Sophia Temporelli, who's a, a young girl who's a psychic medium. Mm -hmm. um, she's a, an old friend. Her, her parents I, I knew from when I lived out in L.A. Um, and I knew her when she was much younger. Um, they were friends with Peter James, who we mentioned okay. earlier, who, whose home base used to be there. Um, and he was communicating, supposedly, with this ghost girl, Jackie, in that pool area. Um, I've never had any interactions with that spirit specifically. Um, okay. There were other people who got a voice that was identical to the one that Peter James got of the kid. Okay. In in that area, um, Ghost Adventures went there, and they were the first ones who who either took the uh, approach or had the the angle play out of that being not a child, okay. being something dark that was under the guises of a child. Okay. I don't know if you remember that specific episode. It was with, mm -hmm. um, and this is someone I was fortunate enough to, to work with once or twice, um, was uh, Debbie Constantina was on that yes, episode. Yes, yes. I remember that. So I, I got to work with her um, at the uh, Glen Tavern Inn. Oh, really? Okay. Once before, yeah. She was very nice. Um, I didn't meet Mark. He was supposed to be there, but he wasn't able to come at the time. Um, but she was on an episode, and then she was communicating through EVP, Mm -hmm. um, allegedly with this ghost girl, Jackie. I'm trying to think of any other places that I've been. I know there had been, well, because um, this is not a, in a, a lesser scale than what that thing is purported to be. Okay. Um, that Haldeman Mansion in Bainbridge, PA has a summer kitchen. 
Okay. Where, you know, where those little places had to, with the excruciating summer heat, okay. a lot of the places in the Northeast had a separate structure for the, you know, for the kitchen during that time of year. Exactly. Put the okay. cooking outside. Um, so we were there. It was myself, my girlfriend, a couple other uh, females, and one other guy. Um, and we got on a recording a voice, like a disembodied voice of a, a little girl chuckling and saying, follow me or come with me or something, whatever. Okay. Um, we didn't hear it at the time. Um, and the, and nobody was, none of us were talking or one person had talked, so we know it wasn't them. So we were able to rule everybody out using video also to make sure that nobody had done it. Uh-huh. So that was a voice that was definitely childlike. Um, we didn't get anything else to, to, to corroborate or, or to check it off of, you know, right. the video, um, didn't pick up the same voice as the reporter did. It just showed us that it was none of the people in the room. Okay. See, that's interesting. That's interesting. So, yeah. but, but, but I, I know, I know what you're saying. So I was, uh, when I was with the <laughs> at Central Jersey Paranormal Research Group, one of the residential cases they got was they went to a mansion in, in uh, Colts Neck, New Jersey. Okay. Um, that they said, they thought that lady had a thing with maybe pills and stuff, whatever, or medications. She had two adopted daughters that were um, from some part of Asia, I forget where. And so she had everybody at the house. So they went to go down. This is when I first moved back. So I was with my son that week. I couldn't go. Okay. So they went. They spent 12 hours with 14 cameras and DVRs and EVP stuff and everything you can think of. And the only thing they came away with was an EVP of a chicken. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. It used to be farm area, and they got an EVP of a chicken. Yeah. I went, you have to be clucking kidding me. And they went, no, that's what we got. Um, that's great. <laughs> oh, my God. They thought, they thought that the lady was just, she had a daughter that died, I like, guess, 19, I think, whatever. Okay. Uh, might have been, it might have been suicide. Um, they thought that the lady was, you know, through medication and whatever, and they didn't think it was anything there. Okay. Once they were there, their their initial thing was that they had thought from what they had heard that it was either a land guardian, or that it possibly was something demonic. Okay. So I was like, okay, so what if it is? And they said, well, we have a, a spiritualist lady, whatever that, from the UK, who's going to come in and come with us if it is. Okay. I went, yeah, but you're going there without her. The first time. If you think that's what might be there, fly her in now. I mean, like, right? Yeah, like you can't. You, you don't walk into a into a, a bad neighborhood why, bar. Why would they? Go, why were they thinking that? He wants to fight, and everybody pulls out guns. You go, oh, guns! I have a gun. Let me go get. Yeah, hold the whole thought. I'll be right back. So I don't know what was going on there. Um, the next time they went back months later, I went with them, and okay. then we were getting stuff. Um, I like using the spirit box or spirit boxes. Right. Um, they had it. They owned them. They didn't use them really a lot, um, but they knew that it was kind of like my bread and butter. We were getting. We got the girl. The daughter's name came through. We got some stuff that was kind of, uh, kind of compelling. Um, and, and so the second visit was much more active and much more fruitful, uh, okay. as far as evidence goes. When we went back, but the, the part of this, the, the takeaway from the story is, is that I remember when they were saying they thought it was either a land guardian situation, like elemental maybe, okay, or or something demonic, okay. And if they were right, they were going to come back with the proper. I was like, ah, I don't, no, it's no. I mean, if, they, you if you're already going in that direction, yeah, you no, you go prepared. Like, 
That's like running somebody over and then honking the horn. It's like, ah. <laughs> it's just at this point, it's too late. Now you're there. Exactly. Now what do you do? Yes. No. And did they ever tell you why they thought that to begin with? Why they thought that it was something either an elemental or or demonic? If I'm not mistaken, it was based on some of the situations and stories that they were conveyed by the homeowner. Okay, okay, okay. To, to them. Okay. Um, and I think where the disconnect happened was when they went there for the first time and all the gear and spent hours there. Okay. After that, they didn't experience even a fraction of what she told them was going on there. All right. Which, as you and I both know, could very well be if something thinks that, that, that the, the owners are trying to eradicate them. They, that might have been a lay low, you know, oh, yeah. not show off what we do oh, yeah. because we don't want these people messing with us and trying to yeah. get us out of here. Absolutely. They're hoping that the homeowner will call it off. Everything yeah. will go back. It's like, oh, it's, it's okay. And it's like, yeah. And I tell everybody, um, when I was an investigator, my first tip off that either I was going to get an investigation or right after I found out about it, that it was an intelligent haunting is... Um, I used to have a detached garage, which I had made into an office, and one of the windows had that frosted glass. Sometimes I okay. would sit out there working, but it's just it was more quiet. And uh, there was a, like a little walkway uh, that faced the back of the house where that frosted window was at. And the only thing I had back there was like my trash cans. I would hide them there. And uh. as soon as I would see shadows crossing back and forth on the other side of that frosted window, I knew one of two things. Either I was about to get a case or if I had gotten one, it was like, okay, this is an intelligent haunting because you will find that if it is an intelligent haunting, they'll do exactly what you said. They'll either bring down activity, hoping that the homeowner, whoever called in the team will say, oh, it's over. Okay, call it off. Or they'll try to interfere or scare off um, the team that's planning to come in. Right. And that was something that, that, that would happen to, the, to Ed Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. Before they would go to cases, a lot of times they would get experiences or visitations. Yes. Before they got the case, because whatever it yes. was was trying to make sure that they would maybe not go. Yes, and that is absolutely anybody that's done this for a while will tell you that if you think that it starts when you go there, and no, and when I saw that, it's like not only is it something there, whatever is there is intelligent, because they're right. trying to cut you off at the pass. And I've had right. that experience a bunch of times uh, where whenever I would just turn around, I would see. And it's like, you know, when you're familiar with your house or with the activity in your house. Right, right. Um, either if it was daytime or even at night, because I had like a porch light that, in other words, the light, if anything broke the light, you would see something. There was nothing. First of all, the windows, no animal, nothing. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I know it's going to uh all right. And sure enough, either I would get a case or I had just gotten it. And uh, again, that falls into uh, manipulation, uh, possible non-human activity taking place there as far as the entities that are there. It doesn't mean the only one, yeah. right. but uh, I mean, it, it's when you do this for a while, that's what I'm saying. You have to be like really careful. Um, and believe it or not, you see that more often with residential cases than you do with these historical places you don't right, really right. see that with historical places um you usually see that with um uh, like residential stuff that's going on that you know like what you described that they'll say some of the things it's like right right you know um 
I mean, it, 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 it there's, um, it's, it's, and, and my experience is that the more an entity can do that or either manipulate time space, or if you're there movement, like what you were yeah. describing, you gotta be really careful because you might possibly not be talking just a, a human entity. Right. Usually to be able to exert that much, how, how can I say, energy to display something heavy. But the only time that that doesn't work is if it's poltergeist, which is basically displaced human, you know, PK activity. That's why you'll, right. you know, I don't know if you've ever seen some of these poltergeist stories where heavy stuff flies and that's different. But if it's not a poltergeist, when you said that thing about, uh, you know, what was it that, 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 that picture, the, the curtain and everything came down and the, yeah. uh, that's like, what? Okay. Yeah. Very, yeah, very a couple of those kind of circumstances too and it's also it's important like the stuff that you know that you're talking about now it's it's great that you do a show as often as you do and that people can hear this stuff yeah because the people who are doing it the longest uh in some way i think carry some level of responsibility of educating the people who follow you um sure. because while you can learn from tv i, I don't fashion tv shows right i get it i, I know what entertainment is I watch Thor. I don't expect to reach out and have a metal hammer come into my hand and lightning to come down. Right. I get it. I know where pretend draws the line. That's part of maturity, and I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> I haven't mastered it yet. Yeah. But there's people who have doing it longer than me, and there's people who are doing it less than I have been doing it, mm -hmm. who may have learned from somebody who's doing it longer. Yes. So everyone in those opportunities another gentleman uh, uh, that we had a chance to, to interact with and become friends with and, and learn from since I had mentioned the the Warrens is their their son-in-law Tony Sparrow who runs yes the the Curiosities Museum that mm -hmm. Ed and Lorraine had it's not open to the public at, at the moment from what I understand but um, we got to partake in, a, in a, an event in October around Halloween okay where Tony Tony brought some of the stuff from the Haunted Museum including the Annabelle doll okay to the event and then his tech, his tech guy Tim Dalton, great guy. Um, we went to actually to Ed Warren's grave after the event, just before okay. it started raining. Um, and then so Tony explained some of the darker stuff and how that stuff works, um, how it interacts. Up, we were talking about you know mm -hmm. before and and the levels of oppression <laughs> and whatever. Um, he shared footage of some of the uh, cases where they had exorcisms, uh, and when somebody was talking in tongues and the whole superhuman strength and and so you can be overly critical and not buy into that stuff but at the same time unless you can disprove it of course then be doubtful but don't be naive you know because I, there are people who have experienced these things um who can't explain it any more than you except the difference is they've experienced it and when you go through something like that or you witness something like that, it just even to the level I have, watching a picture frame thing come off the wall, slow motion, that's nuts. I have no, I'll have moments of doubt. I, I, I always tell people I'm not a skeptic or a believer, I'm an investigator. Exactly. And, right. and I, I carry a tempered amount of both, and I let what I assess in each given situation sway the meter to one side or the other. Yes. But I don't exist just on one side. Um, like I said earlier, because I believe when you have an agenda, you're already kind of 
closing off oh, of course. possibilities. And by the way, the people who are skeptics uh, wholeheartedly, whose who's, uh, full agenda is hell-bent on just proving that everything is a bunch of crap, Right. Those specific people are never known for their accomplishments. They're only known for their agenda. Exactly. Right. They're yeah, like the, the first... opposite of the person that's in it just for the sensationalism. While well, they're right. getting their sensationalism from being the deniers or the skeptics or the, you know, I don't believe it kind of thing. Yeah. Be skeptical. That's okay. Yes. Have skepticism. That's okay. But if you think that there's no truth to any of this stuff, you know, that these things are all imagined, everything's, you know, they say, oh, it's pareidolia, you know, you, you heard what you, you heard what you wanted to hear. You didn't, right. it didn't actually say the word, even though we heard the word, it didn't say it, you just, you heard what you wanted to hear. So then I go, all right, I heard what I wanted to hear. I asked 20 questions. Exactly. Every one of those questions, I knew what I wanted to hear. What, in your wisdom, explains the gap between the hit and the 19 misses because I always wanted to hear it. So right. why exactly. that one? Exactly. Because if, if exactly. And sometimes the answers that you do get on EVPs, especially the real clear ones are very yeah. intelligent. They're very, yeah. in other words, they're answering a specific question. That's like, what are the odds on that? Uh, yeah. hundred percent too. It's astronomical. Even, even, even with the spirit box, people go, oh, it's radio. Okay. If you think it's radio, then you don't know how the device works. It's sweeping through the radio. It's not on yeah. a frequency long enough to get that phrase. Exactly. It's not. With MailChimp, you get more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. With things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools. Get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. I've heard of that, that they say that, oh, it's picking up some uh, talk from some station. And, and I don't understand what you're saying. That it's right, not no, there long I, enough. No, and I've said this on countless podcast shows. If, if I'm using a spirit box and I ask, you know, am I standing or sitting? And the word standing comes out. And that's radio bleed through in the same voice over multiple sweeps. But it's just radio. I want to know what station that was and when they're doing prize giveaways for cash and cars because I have incredibly good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You are absolutely just, right. And, and again, to be fair to both sides of the fence, right? I'm not proving the paranormal is real. I'm not proving that ghosts are real like that. No. But the, the experiences and the things that people are, are, are bringing as far as evidence or, or experiencing, those things are real. What the cause is, if everything has a rational explanation one day and it all goes away, then, then, then that day happens when it happens. But it hasn't happened yet. Exactly. exactly. And so I've, done, I've had this conversation with countless people. I've taken something like this and just thrown it. I go, what was that? They go, I don't know. It's a UFO. <laughs> it's an object 
that wasn't identified and it was flying? <laughs> was it little gray people in it? I don't know. Maybe not. Are they from another planet dimension? I don't know. But I know that that's an unidentified object and it's flying. Exactly. So the, the experiences are real. Yes. It's what's behind it, how it happens, and who it is, and all those kind of things. That's where we're seeking answers. Absolutely. And you know what, um, Ron, one of the things that I'm hoping you're going to come back on the show and talk about, because this has to do with paranormal, and it gets into a little bit into the dark side, and is having to do with a lot of these hauntings based on, I'm not going to say occult practices, because there's people okay. out there that know what they're doing. They're into occult practices because we call them occult practices, but they know what they're doing. I'm right. talking about the people that dabble and stuff with, and and then the ones that's going to what either whether it's necro necromancy, or in, even in some cases necrophilia, that that right. is what opens the doors to a lot of dark hauntings at locations where sometimes people can't explain where did this come from, yeah, how did this happen, okay, and um, uh, a lot of the you know the and so I don't have time. I wish I could go into it with you. And I know a lot of places in the Northeast, you know, and I'm not saying, but in that area, sometimes because of the older, uh, because it's an older area, how can I say that? That, you know, it was just, there was more people there living, like you said, in the 1700s, pre-revolutionary. Right. You would be surprised that some of the stuff, you know, even though, you know, you always think of the Salem witch trials and, you know, how that was hysteria, blah, 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 blah. But you'd be surprised. There was a lot of those areas up there where people were actually practicing very dark magic even back then. And let's say in contrast to the Puritans and, you know, this whole yeah. thing that you have in that area. There was a lot of unusual stuff, which I think accounts for a lot of um, not just the hauntings, the very dark aspects to the hauntings. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, as a matter of fact, when you mentioned the Warrens, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Father. Well, he was in Father Malachi Martin, who passed away. Yes, I know who he is. In the you know in the 90s, and he spoke various times about stuff like that, uh, and uh, the interference because you know of course he absolutely you know he participated in exorcism, etc. And as a matter of fact, a lot of people think that. The the meth the way he died had to do was uh, caused by yeah. the last um, the last exorcism that he was involved with with a child, uh, right. and he speaks a, a you know a lot about you know people that dabble into that or or how, what's the word I'm thinking of that intentionally work into the dark realm and open up the portal what he called the middle plateau, which right. is where you get a lot of non-human entities that bleed through and come into, you know, into this, into our domain, into our dimension, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I would love to bring you back and talk more about that. You think you'd be up for that coming back on the show? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a great time. This is, it's been, it's been enjoyable for me because I, like I said, I like to learn everywhere. I don't just mean investigating, but clearly, um, you are possessive of, of a lot of knowledge. You know, you. you know the field. You know the craft. Um, it's been fun on top of that, too. Yes, I, I, I have, to be, I've, I've I got had to be a, great a goofball time. over here. Yes, absolutely. So. Absolutely. It's been wonderful to talk to you because, again, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you have the right, uh, how can I say, the right mindset 
for doing this work. And everybody tells me because I usually, a lot of times I've told people, there's a lot of people that are not suited to doing paranormal work. Their right, intentions right. are good. Don't get me wrong. Their intentions are good. Maybe they want to help or maybe they're fascinated by it or uh, they just would like to do it. But not everybody's suited to this. And you are, I can tell you are, but there's people that I tell them, look, your best bet is to take a, a, a ghost tour and leave it at that for different, a lot of yeah. different reasons. You know, this this is the, because you're you're opening up Pandora's box, and you might not think it. <laughs> Tell me that was yeah, it. no, that was who was that or what? You have a, a, oh, you heard that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want it to be seen? Here you go. Okay. This guy. Uh, what's what's his or her name? His name is Pumpkin. It's my son's cat. Hi, Pumpkin. Say hi. Okay. Say hi. He's a mush. Right? You know what? I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, About two years ago, I was interviewing a guy named Christopher George. As a matter of fact, he's done a lot of investigations on the Queen Mary. He's out there. Oh, okay. And we're talking, and at right towards the end, I hear a meow. And in the middle of the conversation, one time he said something about his mom, which, by the way, was deceased. His mom left cats. But that was way in the middle of the interview. Towards the end, I hear meow, distinctly meow. And I'm thinking, this is his cat. Okay, we have a show. And I, you know, after the show, I review all the audio. And I sent him an email. I said, hey, thanks for the interview. By the way, I heard your cat. Your cat came in. And he says, what cat? And wow! I distinctly, it was like, there's, I don't have any cats here. I have dogs, but no cats. It was distinct meow, meow. And I was like, and by the way, I live on a very large property that, that there's no cat that's, that anyway could come in. So that's why when I heard that, that's the reason why I said, who is that? Just yeah. to make sure. No, I'm glad you did. I picked them up so you could see. So it's, it's a live cat. It's pumpkin making an appearance. Yeah, it's pumpkin making an appearance. He had to get on the show. All right. Thank you so much, Ron. It has been absolutely wonderful to speak to you, and I want to wish you the best of luck for 2019. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for saying that. Absolutely. Um, it's been my pleasure. You have an opening in your calendar. You let me know. I would, I would yes. love to come back. Yes, yes, and We yes. can talk about the stuff you were saying. The dark stuff, yeah. The dark stuff, including uh, the gin. I like... Uh, yeah. Yes, the possibility people. of the of the jinn and and things that people think are angelic yes. or demonic. Yes, absolutely. Actually, being that goes, that's that's pre-Judeo-Christian. There's a lot of stuff that people have misconceptions about. Yes, absolutely. Yes, we got a date. I'll I'll be contacting you for that. Okay. Sounds good. And remind me, I'll send you the uh, some yes. of the evidence that, that I talked about. I'll send you the shadow figure from the Queen Mary. I'll send you the uh, the racist ghost spirit from Long Island, New York. Yes, I would love to see that. I would love to hear that. Okay. Take care, darling. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So, guys, wasn't he great? I think he's great. Very, very interesting guest. Super interesting guest. Okay. I wasn't kidding. Ron is stuff of good paranormal investigators. He's got a level of being skeptical, but he's open-minded. Um, he's intelligent enough to 
be wary of certain investigations or certain things. Like he said about that investigation where they already thought that it was an elemental or something demonic. And he's thinking, why are you going to bring in the cavalry after the fact? Believe it or not, and I've said this before, a lot of people think that because you're experienced or you know, you just charge in there and you'll handle it. No. If you've got a heads up that you've got something along those lines and you think you might need to either bring a shaman or a psychic that is versed in handling this type of entity, you, you're wise to either retreat if that's what you find or not return until you have this person with you. What's the worst that could happen? Turns out, no, that's not what it was. Okay. But the flip side of that is that if it is, you're going to be very, very glad that this person is there with you. And I'm going to give you another for instance. If you are talking uh, an, uh, an entity that's there, or more than one, but let's that's either non-human, malevolent, even if it's human, an elemental, whatever. They don't see, in other words, they see around the curve what's coming. And if this team goes there with the intentions of in the future bringing in possibly a person that will know how to deal with them, if you don't think that that thing is going to be on the attack on that in-between visit when you're not without that person. I got news for you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It will try to do everything it can to either attach to somebody uh, or cause friction in the group or give nightmares. Uh, it'll try to scare them off. Everything to disrupt a follow-up visit when that person, let's say that psychic is going to be there with you, with the team. But if you're not there, if you say, you know what, uh, we're not going to follow up until we're able to bring this person with us, then you're, you're going to be okay. It's, I'm telling you, it's, um, what's that saying? Uh, live to fight another day. In paranormal investigations, when you're talking a very dark haunting, that is something that you are wise to handle investigations in that manner. And uh, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna put the men out there again. Men sometimes are more confrontational, or they don't want to appear as if they're scared. And this has nothing to do with being scared or being cowardly, I guess, for some reason. It has nothing to do with it. It's just that sometimes when you're dealing with something along these lines where it's just intelligent and dark, um, they kind of use our, the way humans are or the way we think against us. And one of those things is, um, almost to react on an emotional basis to our disadvantage. And you would think, man, that's very manipulative. Yes, it is. And sometimes it's very subtly manipulative. So like I said, Ron has got the makings of a great investigator, uh, mostly because again, he's got that right mix 
of skepticism, open-mindedness. He seems like a very level-headed person. And uh, again, it's like, I wasn't kidding when I say, you know, some people, it's like, you can't, you know, there's some people that you go, it's like, is there a pulse there? You know, because you got to have, there's going to be moments in certain investigations where you got to be on your toes. You, you got to be aware of things going on. But the other end of it, when you've got an overexcited personality, high strung, that's not good either for this type of work. Um, so you want that mix of the person that is level-headed, but that when the moment determines it, and a lot of people sometimes think, oh, well, because of the supernatural aspect of investigation, you could have a lot of things go wrong in an investigation. People sometimes fall down, sometimes they get hurt. I've heard of um, members, uh, especially new ones who have had an experience and basically wig out, wig out, hyperventilate, that they have to be like basically bodily carried out. I've heard of other instances where uh, somebody who's got, uh, they've got either abilities as a medium that either they're aware of or sometimes they don't even know have been jumped by an entity and they start they either go down start talking acting out I've heard of people trying to run out like into trap again you know a lot of things that can happen in investigation are not strictly tied into uh, the, uh, uh, dealing with a ghost you know, as a matter of fact, some of the most things that you like got to be on your toes about are the, the team that you're with, or I've also heard of when the family or the people that live in the house are there as well, that sometimes things happen with them. They act out or the entity that uh, is affecting them wants to break up the party does something to one of them, especially if there's an attachment going on. Uh, I mean, a, a whole host of things. Sometimes people don't think about this, which, by the way, ties into what uh, what me and Ron were talking about, about people um, that when you do residential investigations, I, I've been doing this for a really long time, and unfortunately, our society has become so litigious that you really got to think twice about going into some of these investigations depending on what's going on there okay if you've got a situation again mental illness substance abuse stuff going on again this is not a this does not say there's nothing supernatural going on there as a matter of fact more than likely there is you still have to think about well how is that going to affect me, my team, the group? Because unfortunately, a lot of things can happen. Um, the way, um, and I'm going to give you an example. This is a hypothetical. Let's say you go into an investigation and, uh, you know, sometimes you do a pre-interview and you kind of, there's certain questions that you ask, you know, about what's going on and who's in the family and, you know, there's certain questions that you ask, including, you know, is anybody taking drugs, things like that, you know, legalized, legal drugs, in other words. 
most people in my experience are honest, but sometimes you have a lot of things going on that some family members will be in ignorance of, of that other family member, even though they're all living under the same roof. Okay. And sometimes you go into this investigation and there's, um, basically you're inserting yourself into a dynamic that's pretty hot, but of course people are in their best behavior when, uh, you contact them and you'd be surprised how sometimes people use supernatural events to kind of deflect from addressing the real problem. Okay. And sometimes when a paranormal team comes in there and inserts themselves in and says maybe what the person doesn't want to hear one, there's no go. Sorry. We didn't find evidence or, or <clears throat> two. Yeah, there is, but we think it's dark and you know, we might need to bring in maybe clergy or whatever, you know, this is, this is not a question of a house blessing or, or whatever. Some people, sometimes the way they react can be quite scary and sometimes dangerous. And once you've inserted yourself in there somehow as a team, depending on what happens, you know, it's not a good place to be. It's not, it's not. And I mean, it could go wrong in a lot of different ways because human beings are very complex and, um, you'd be surprised a lot of things that go on, people blame them or deflect them on the supernatural versus saying, you know, this is what's really happening. And let's face it, when you're a paranormal investigator, you're not a psychotherapist. You're not supposed to go in there and, and diagnose people or tell them, hey, you know what? I, I think you need to go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, right? That's not what you're there for. And sometimes it's exactly what you find yourself in the middle of. You're like, huh? Okay. This person, there's, or, or, or you know, um, as a matter of fact, uh, I, the, you're probably, you guys, if I interviewed a gentleman by the name of James Keenan, wrote some great books, and he is telling the story of uh, many, many years ago, he was in his 20s, I believed. He was living out in California and he was a police officer, a young police officer. I can't remember what department. And he says that him and his partner, they get called out to a house for domestic violence. And that this family had already like a history of domestic. In other words, that the police would be called out there because of stuff going on. And they had a bunch of children. And uh, he, he apparently, you know, he was like the junior officer and his partner, I guess, had more experience. Or So he's saying how it was a two story house and they bring the, 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 the other officer is telling the husband, you know what, I'm tired of coming out here. The children were there on the sofa. Uh, the wife is there and he's like, like I'm telling him, telling the husband, I'm sick and tired of coming out here. What's going on here? And he says that in the middle of this, all of a sudden they hear a bunch of people talking upstairs. And you know, one of the things that they had told them is everybody down here, the whole family was there. Like, and they say, is anybody, no, no, no. 
and they talk they turn to the guy the the the, the parents the, the 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 husband and the wife and they're like i thought you said there was nobody else in this house and they're like there isn't okay so who's that talking so <laughs> james was the one that is like you're gonna go upstairs and find out and, and he says from what i if i remember correctly that it was like arguing and obscene language and it was like and he says it wasn't like one person it was like several people okay that he went upstairs and he's thinking who or what's up here like what is this? what you know what am i this remember he, at that moment he's not thinking go supernatural nothing he's thinking man we've called been called out on a dv and it sounds like i got a bunch of people upstairs that are arguing using obscene like like what is going on so he goes up the stairs and he says that as soon as he gets up to the landing it stopped it said it went from loud conversation to stop and he says even the family themselves were totally totally they were wicked out like in other words they knew there was nobody and he says and he checked it there was nothing or nobody up there okay and he came downstairs and uh and he says that the family themselves were like the the, the point being by the way they moved out the next week because everybody was, they moved out, they, they left. Um, but apparently, the, based on what he was told, this family was very dysfunctional. And there was a lot of chaos in the family. And like I said, the police were being called out there. And, and my point being getting to the, as a paranormal team, let's say you weren't, let's say you were not the police officer. Let's say you're a paranormal team that comes out to an investigation like this and you don't have the benefit of the knowledge of what's going on really truly with the family you're only going on what they tell you on a pre-interview and or that oh yeah and then you get there and you find something like this okay and i'm positive based on just what that story which i could see very easily that a lot of it had to do with the dynamics of what was going on with that family. And, you know, what are you going to tell these people? You know what? As long as you keep on maybe with this upheaval and dysfunction, it's going to be really difficult to throw this off. That's not what a paranormal investigator is there for. But sometimes there's what you find yourself doing, unfortunately. Uh, and, and getting back to what I was saying, that nowadays when you do this type of work, you, you have to think, like when you get to some of these places and you realize the reality of what's maybe going on there, the family dynamics, is it like, man, I want to help you, but I don't think I can. That's when you like, you know, you try to help them or refer them, whether if it's clergy, if they're open to it. And that's another thing. Sometimes you get people that are not open to the kind of help you want to tell them, even as nicely as you want to couch it, as in, you know, do you have clergy or do you have you know, maybe a counselor, you have a family member, uh, somebody that can, that you gotta be, it's a kind of a real delicate kind of thing. If you even think that this client is going to be willing to listen to you, um, when you're trying to tell them, you might or might not have something paranormal but really, 
what's juicing this along is what's going on between the living here. And until you address this somehow or other, this is going to continue. You know, or in other words, yeah, we could do a blessing on your house. Or, you know, you might get clergy to come and do a blessing or whatever. But if this turbulence in your family continues, it's not going to really do much. And as a, and I'm going to plug my own book. As a matter of fact, I just now at the end of December, I brought out my last book, which is Supernatural Safety. And part of uh, what I explained there as far as it's basically a DIY paranormal guide to what you can do before you bring in a team. If you need to bring in a team, doesn't, you don't always have to, is you have to see, um, not all the time, because absolutely some, some hauntings have nothing to do with the family dynamics. The families are normal. By this, I don't mean perfect because we're all human beings. I'm talking about deep dysfunction. How a lot of times this fuels a lot of really dark and it's almost like the the negative feelings generated by the people living there fuel the supernatural agent to grow stronger and in turn this turns up the heat under the humans that are there as to how they react with one another uh do they fly off the handle do they become suspicious uh, you know, uh, growing discontent, uh, division, isolation, um, suspiciousness. Oops, there goes my light. But anyway, it, and, and it's like a vicious circle. But how do you tell somebody, you know what? You, blessing your house or smudging it or whatever, it's not really going to do that if you don't do something to fix or address what's going on amongst yourselves. And what I always say, a lot of times people think that the solutions to these kind of scenarios, whether it's supernatural or not, but or whether we're talking something within a family or marriage or whatever, a family, it's like, hey, instant gratification. It's done. No, it's not. It's a process. It's a process. But you, at some point, if people start going in that direction, okay, maybe understanding, you know what? I'm not communicating with this other person. Or I'm being suspicious. You know, that that, that, that that's might even be the effect of the supernatural agent, which is that people stop communicating with each other. Uh isolating or dysfunctional behavior like where does one end and the other one start if people start looking at it from an observer point of view of i'm being manipulated and how do i stop it and thinking i have to go get help of, from this somehow okay which there's a lot of different avenues depending on who's involved what your belief system is but actually thinking of doing something I, again um, this is the this, <laughs> these are the different levels of what's involved with paranormal research and investigations that you never really see that much of no not much of you don't see 
when you get into the paranormal reality shows. But it does exist. It does exist. And of course, like I said, you know, a lot of the shows, either people are told, families are told, oh, it's not malevolent. Don't worry about it. Or, oh, we brought somebody and they blessed the house. And, I mean, and it, sometimes there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. And that's why um, you have a lot of people that they'll have a team come in or even clergy. And they don't realize that they still got to keep working at it. Like he was saying, like he, he Ron pointed out that he was smudging, even though he was waiting for the shaman to come. This is part of the DIY. You work at it. You pray, whatever, what, whatever it is that your belief system is. You pray, you smudge, you, you laugh, you put on happy music, you go outside. You refuse to give in to despair. Uh, you don't let yourself be isolated. All these things is part of a continuous ongoing process whenever you find yourself in some type of scenario where there's a dark haunting especially and like i said it's 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 a multi-layered thing uh because let's face it human beings are complex we're very simple in some things and complex in others and when you're talking uh even a discarnate human entity they're so complicated and complex same same thing same thing goes on but anyway guys i hope you like the show even though i know you're not going to see it for a little bit uh again i want to wish everybody a happy 2019 uh don't forget if you want to see links to the shows uh whether it's the video or the podcast you can go to miamigoschronicles.com there's links there also if you want to send me your true story uh go to the submit your story tab also there's links for the latest book which is um supernatural safety you can buy it on my site or at amazon probably have it at some other places eventually i'm planning another couple of books for this year um again i've got a lot of wonderful guests that are scheduled to come on uh whether it's paranormal investigators authors again i i am trying to bring in uh more diverse subjects and I talked about it the last time, which is not only as far as the paranormal or cryptids, uh, maybe some other people, ufologists, conspiracy theories. I mean, we have a lot of things going on. Um, uh, 2019 is going to be a wonderful year. And I hope all of you have a very lucky and wonderful year before you. Take care and thanks for being part of my audience. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. 
Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks.